Well, we are on this series, if you're a guest with us today, by the way, we just are excited that you're here. We uh, typically will go through a book of the Bible, um, and we've been hanging out in a lot of the New Testament. I, I love the New Testament because everything points back to Jesus. But I, but I also realize that it's important to dip back into the Old Testament to understand the, the larger narrative of what God's doing in and through people. And so we're on this series called People of the Bible, and really finding our story in theirs. That, that we're realizing that, that God is, is not only working back in time, he worked back in time, but he is continually the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And then we also find Jesus in that though, because what we realize is that Jesus himself says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we know that, that Jesus exemplified who, who God is, but we get to see part of God's nature played out in people through historical times, that these are real events that took place um, in time. And, and so today I'm going to talk about a character which um, probably is one that I relate to the most. Uh, I'll tell you probably why as this story unfolds. But today we're going to be talking about the life of Joseph, the son of Jacob. Jacob later becomes named Israel and um, where we get the nation of Israel today. And we realize that Joseph is one of the sons that, um, of the 12 that became the 12 tribes. If you have your Bibles, though, in Genesis, uh, it, we will be in Genesis chapter 37 through really 50 is where you find this account of, of Joseph. It's a, it's a phenomenal story of, of looking at, you know, trials, betrayal, forgiveness, redemption, and in the midst of that, we begin to start seeing God's character unfold, and then we are going to take uh, away some life lessons for ourselves today. Now, in these series, my, my caution to you is this becomes like a history lesson, and, and I, for those of you who went to school and didn't like history, it's like, oh man, I'm gonna, this, is, this is a good time to take a nap, you might be saying. But I, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you that, that the Spirit of God is here with us today, and he's going to take the words that I say and he's going to apply something to your heart and your life that you're going to walk out of here today changed because you have heard something that's real time from the Holy Spirit that is wanting to speak to you. So this is not just historical and this is not just like God back then and a story back then. But remember, when we say we're going to find our story in the midst of their story that we're going to realize that, that God is working in and through you in such a special way that you're going to realize that, that God is still wanting to be with you and work in your life. But to start, I think it's important that we, that we have a little bit of historical um, context to hear. So this is, even though it's found in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, we realize that it was taking place around 1600 or 1800 BC before Jesus comes on, 16 or 1800 years before Jesus um, comes on the scene. So this, is, this takes place around Egypt, which was a civilized society around the, the tribes around Egypt, though, were being more nomadic people, which you would see Abraham um, Isaac and Jacob. So remember, Abraham had Isaac, Isaac, and Esau. Remember, Esau sells his birthright. And then you have the son, the, the promised son, um, Isaac. And then you have Isaac has, yes, Jacob and Esau. There we go. Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, yes, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. So this story, then, then Jacob has 
12 sons. One of them is Joseph. So here's the, here's the story. It's around, it's around Egypt. You have the nomadic lifestyle around Egypt. Egypt becomes a little bit more of a sophisticated city. You have um, Egypt at that point in time would have hieroglyphics, which they kind of created this language around using symbols and letters to be able to um, uh, write in essence and tell stories. Then you realize that, that you'll have this really this, this patriarchal society from the nomads, but then you'd have the pharaohs, which would really be considered deities themselves. So, so Egypt is a kind of a polytheism, which they would believe in multiple gods. And you have the Hebrew people, which would be Jacob, who would have his nomadic tribe, which would be his family, um, begins to realize they're monotheistic, which believe is one God, Yahweh, the God that we serve today. And, and so then this is kind of what's happening. And so here's the story. So Jacob is the firstborn of one of, um, sorry, Joseph is, is the firstborn of one of Jacob's multiple wives. Well, he only had two, Rachel and Leah. And his, he had his beloved wife, which was Rachel. And remember, Uncle Laban played trick on Jacob and that whole story. Maybe we'll get to that, but not want to go too far in the weeds on this one, but kind of laying the, the land here. So, so Joseph has other brothers. He has uh, other brothers from uh, Leah. And then we had two maidservants that were, uh, Rachel and Leah both gave um, Jacob um, permission to have other kids. And so, but here we have Joseph though, which became one of Jacob's favorite. And really it was because it was the firstborn of his most beloved wife, um, Rachel. And so, so here's the other brothers though, are beginning to get a little jealous of this relationship. And, and then Joseph begins to probably unwisely tells about a dream that he had. This dream that his family, specifically his brothers, would bow down to him. And um, his brothers did not like that at all. He has this dream, right? So he shares this dream with his family. And, um, and his brothers are saying, I, we need to get rid of Joseph. We need to get rid of him. Because he is, he is, he's a pain. He's dad's favorite. We don't like him. So they basically sell him into slavery. Well, don't. Basically, they do. They sell him into slavery. They go out in the desert. They uh, kill um, an animal, put his beautiful coat, coat of many colors, in uh, blood, and meanwhile, sell him to a caravan that is going to be sold as a slave in essence. So just think about that for a moment. Think about your life. If you had siblings that did that to you, how would you feel? Would you be a little bit bitter, a little bit angry, a little bit upset that you'd have siblings that you would, that would just, in essence, get rid of you like that? So great betrayal, then, then like his, their own family betrays him and then sold into slavery, he ends up in Potiphar's house. Now Potiphar is like a, a general, he's, he's the head of Pharaoh's um, household, whether it's army or, or the, the workings of his house, this Potiphar, um, he's now a slave, Joseph is now a slave in Potiphar's household, but, but God is with him. So much so he carries a lot of wisdom and knowledge and Potiphar puts him in charge of his household. 
And, and so it seems like, okay, great. I got sold into slavery, but at least I'm being raised into a place of a little bit more prominence of, of being in charge of people. Well, then Potiphar's wife decides that Joseph is a fine man and she wants a piece of him. And um, did, did I say that? I, I didn't mean to say that. She, she, fought, she, did, she, she has eyes that are desiring of him is what I meant to say. And, <laughs> but Joseph, a man of character says, uh, 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 and he takes off as she's pursuing him. And she says, you know, like, I'm not letting a guy stand up to me and I'm not going to even let him tell a story that the narrative that she wants to tell. And so basically she, she says that Joseph pursued her and Potiphar realized that, well, he believed his wife. And he got put into prison. So here he is. So Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, by his own family, sold into slavery, now a slave, brought up to prominence into Potiphar's household, lied about, and now he's in prison. I think sometimes we can look at life and, and we see uh, the narrative of our life and, and they might not be physical prison for some. I know there's some here who have been in prison, but, but life can feel like a prison to you. And life can have these twists and turns where people can make up stories about you or betray you. And it'd be really easy to start blaming God and start blaming circumstances and blaming other people. But yet we start seeing here in Joseph's life that he... He doesn't go into a pity party. He begins to always turn back to God's faithfulness in the midst of a crazy time. And we'll unpack this a little bit further, but I want you to, I'm trying to bring you into the narrative of that story and I want you to feel what he feels and I want you to see your life similar to his life because I know I've been there and it's really easy to get sidetracked. It's really easy to start pointing fingers and it's really easy to get off course to what God has doing. But maybe, just maybe that God is in the middle of your circumstance, your prison experience, like he's in Joseph's prison experience. If you know the story, and I'm just kind of giving you the, the cliff notes, the big arching story of his life, and then we'll begin to unpack the life lessons and what we see in God's character of that. But what we see then is all of a sudden you have Pharaoh who begins to, well, Joseph has dreams. So Joseph's a dreamer, right? And by the way, do you realize that God speaks to us through dreams? Still today. Remember, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus says, if you've seen me, seen me you've seen the Father. And, and God will work through prophecy. He will work through dreams, interpretation of dreams. And, and so here he is. He continues to dream and he interprets some dreams. And, uh, and Pharaoh has a dream and is he interpreting them. And, and eventually what takes place is Joseph is now brought into, out of prison, into Pharaoh's command. Now, we realize that he actually becomes second in command to Pharaoh, and he realizes that, that God has placed him there. There's a great famine that takes place, and through his wisdom, he knows how to store up all this grain 
and store up all this food. And so the Egyptians are safe and secure, which is interesting that God really preserves the Egyptian people because you would think, well, wouldn't he just preserve the Hebrews? But yet here he is in a very secular um, polytheistic society and God provides for them. I've never really thought about that before, that God cared about those people who were not even following him. And yet he then brought his brothers back, the nomads in the area, that remember the tribes around there who were starving because of the famine, have to come into Egypt to buy grain, otherwise they're going to starve. And so who shows up? But Joseph's brothers show up to buy grain. Joseph sees him, recognizes him. They don't, the brothers don't recognize that it's Joseph. And then through a long story short, realizes that Joseph identifies himself. Um, and there's this beautiful story of forgiveness and redemption. And, and I think that the most pivotal verse for me is in Genesis chapter 50. And, and honestly, I go back to this verse so much of the time because, because life can be hard and, and people can be mean and people can say awful things and people can do awful things to us. But in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says this, as for you, you meant evil against me, talking to his brothers, but God meant it for good. Like, I, I wonder if we began to start seeing that our life circumstances are not always about somebody trying to get us. It's not always about somebody trying to put us down. It's not always trying to be, but God is working in and through every circumstance of your life to produce something good for him and for you. Something good for him and for you. I think sometimes you get her head wrapped around saying, well, God's sovereign, okay? I get he's trying to work something for good, but he's the cosmic guy and we're just chess pieces on a board and he's just doing something and we're just the pawn of which he moves on the chessboard. But we realize that he's sovereign, but he's, he's doing it for his good, but also your good. And we need to understand that he loves you so much that he wouldn't, he allows you to go through difficult things but the difficult things actually produces something beautiful in your life. But where we get sidetracked is we start looking at those difficult circumstances, those prison experiences, the betrayals, and, and the, the lies against us, and we somehow get stuck in bitterness and pointing fingers, and we forget that God actually is working something out in the middle of that situation. So let's talk about life lessons from Joseph's story. First of all, we realize that, that there's something about resiliency in adversity. Resiliency in adversity. If you're taking notes, that's point number one. Resiliency in adversity. I'm concerned that we live in a culture, and I think I shared this not too, maybe a couple of weeks ago, that, that we're, we're less resilient than we once were. I don't know if it's because our schools were teaching you, like, everybody gets a prize, everybody's a winner, everybody's like, <laughs> you know, but it'd be like Oprah, everybody gets a car, everybody gets a prize, right? It's, but, I, but you realize that life is hard and life will have challenges in it. And one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is free will, 
But in the midst of that, in that free will, life will actually start turning out with challenges because people are people. And people have free will and people will do um, not great things. But what we, we can't control that, but what we can control is how we allow those circumstances to affect us. We can control that. We can realize the saying, God, you're sovereign. God, you are in control. God, you give me the power of forgiveness. God, you give me the ability not to hold on to bitterness. God, you give me the, the importance to keep looking at you or the vision to keep looking at you in the midst of betrayal and slavery and imprisonment. And God, I know that you're faithful and steadfast in the midst of my trial. See, this unwavering trust in God's plan allowed Joseph to, to maintain his composure in the midst of those difficult seasons. We never once hear him being bitter or never once see him complaining in prison or being bitter towards his brothers. That's why this verse, Romans 8, 28, says, And we know that all things, that in all things, God works together for good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. See, see, even though God gives you free will, God has the ability to work those difficult things into something for good for you. Do you believe that? And I think if we began to really believe that and really saw it as God sees it, then, then bitterness would not be a part of our life. Resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness would not be a part of our life because we're saying, yes, that hurt. You gotta be true to those feelings. Yes, that hurt. Yes, I feel disappointed, but you know what? I'm trusting God, he's faithful. I'm trusting God that he's gonna work something together for my good. I'm trusting that God is working in the middle of that situation. I'm not gonna keep like belaboring and belittling and pointing fingers and blaming but I'm gonna start trusting God that he is faithful and he is good and he's working together a great plan for me and for him. So I love Joseph's story because we realize that we can have resilience in adversity and that God is working something for our good and for his good. Number two. The transformative power of forgiveness. There, there's something that is, it's untangible. I don't, I can't always describe it, but there is such a force with forgiveness. There's such a force with forgiveness. It sets the captives free, the scripture tells us. That when we can come to a place of just looking at somebody, even though you might not have been bitter, in other words, you don't feel entrapped, but when you can freely say the words, I forgive you, it's powerful. See, see, when Joseph's brothers came to him and he had the ability to say this, yeah, yeah I know you meant it for my evil. Like, I, in essence, I knew you guys were jealous. I, I knew you, got, you were tired of me being the favored one. I, I get it. Doesn't make it right, but guess what? I forgive you. Because God is working in the middle of this. So even though you meant it for evil, God is working something for good. So, so guess what? It's actually to my, to my benefit. And I, don't, I can't hold anything against you because I see that God can, has worked something in my life and he's actually produced something. So even though you, you meant it for evil, God's using it for good, I forgive you. And he sets the captives free. He releases them from that. And, and here, here the, 
the brothers come down and bow down at his feet when they acknowledge that, and, and, the, and Joseph's dream is coming to pass. See, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Is there somebody that you still need to forgive in your life? Is there somebody that, that even though they've hurt you so badly, that, that you can forgive them? I think sometimes we wait for the, for the offender to somehow have this aha moment and feel like they need to come to you and say, hey, would you forgive me? We, we would like that, wouldn't we? <laughs> yes, we're making the right wrong or the wrong right. The wrong right. But what if you actually didn't have to wait until they came to you, but you would just... And it's not even, you don't have to even do it in person to that person, but you, in your heart, in your mind, you can actually, I forgive that person. I forgive them because you know what? God is still working in my life and through my life. I can forgive them. But it says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, that's what I love. While we were yet sinners... Christ forgave you while he went to the cross and died for your sins. He didn't wait for us to, to go and say, yeah, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God. He, he took the first step and actually went to the cross for us. Now we have the privilege afterwards to acknowledge the work that he's done. But he didn't wait for us to take the first move. He took the first move. God forgave as the Lord forgave you. Number three, trusting in God's sovereignty. We don't talk about sovereignty a lot these, these days, but we understand, and Joseph's story really begins to unfold this for us, that even though there are a lot of obstacles, sold into slavery, imprisoned, through false testimony, that God was still able to work together for good weave a plan together that was going to save a vast number of people. And I think for us today, we need to realize that in that sovereignty, that means God is working in and through your life today. That means that, that this is not a God out there, some, some distant place, but the Holy Spirit is working in and through you to accomplish pur purposes that God is wanting to accomplish. His sovereignty, God is... And I don't fully understand that because we're not pawns. We have free will. But God is able to, this is the miraculous part of God. He's able to take our bad situations and somehow flip it for our good and his purposes. That's why Proverbs 3, I love this verse. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. See, sometimes God's ways are not our ways. And we don't see the bigger picture. And, and I think when you realize that, that Joseph's life was not only about him and Egypt, but it was about t establishing 12 tribes. Interestingly enough, that it was Joseph's faithfulness 
and his favor in God's favor in his life. When they established 12 tribes, so it was the 12 sons of Jacob, some from Rachel, some from Leah, and from the two other concubines, that you realize that the 12 tribes, Joseph gets a double portion. The tribe of Levi, actually, they were never given land. They were given cities because they were going to be becoming the priests of that sacrificial priest system. But, but Joseph's territory was double in size, but then, but then it got broken into his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. I, I love Manasseh. I relate to him too because Manasseh means causes to forget. And I, and I think in Joseph's life, I think he was so willing to, to forgive because he was able to not hold on to the, the bad things that were happening to him. I think there's a real gift. And I think sometimes when, if, you've, if you've been holding on to some things, forgive for sure, but then you can ask the Lord for the spirit of Manasseh. You can ask the Lord to say, God, would you cause me to forget? Would you cause me to not even remember and hold on to those things? And, and I think Joseph probably named one of his sons that because uh, of the gift that God gave him to, to not hold on to those wrongdoings that were happening to him and the, the wrongs that were happening and, and realized that he can move on, that God is God, and that God was working in the midst of all of that. So in closing, I just want to talk about God's, God's character on this. What we learn about God and why I turn it to not only Joseph's life, but what we learn from God is because, because God is, again, same yesterday, today, and forever. What do we learn from him is through Joseph's trials, God remained faithful, guiding him and providing for his needs. Some of you are in a trial right now and you, you're like, where is God? His nature will never let you down. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I love this, this verse in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Some of you need to hear this today. You're like, where is God in the midst of my trial? And I want to say, God is with you. God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Now, you can walk away and you can say, God, I don't want you. But God is like the hound of heaven who wants to keep coming close to you. He'll pursue you. And in Joseph's darkest moments, God is there. God's faithfulness and provision. Number two, insights of God's character from this account. God's redemptive plan. See, that, that verse in Genesis 50 verse 20 you intended to harm me, but God intended it for my good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, see, God is always weaving a tapestry, a story together through your life. But he always wants to redeem something. He wants to take broken things and make them whole. He wants to take uh, fractured things, redeem them. He wants to always bring life back into where there's death. He wants to redeem something. And God always is working a redemptive plan. And even though in the moment in time today, right now, you're feeling like, what's the outcome going to be? Just know this, that God is working something good in your life. 
He's going to redeem it. And then last, God's compassionate heart. Do you realize that God's compassion? I think in the Old Testament, we see, we see, we think we see an angry, mean God. But really, we begin to start seeing a compassionate God, a compassionate God on, on the Egyptians who doesn't want to allow, see people starve. He's, we see a compassionate God through Joseph's approach where, where he forgives his brothers. He could easily, in his power, could have not only imprisoned his, um, his brothers, but probably have put them to death. Psalm 68, sorry, 86, verse 15. Psalm 86, 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. See, so God's desire for reconciliation of that family was part of his plan. The bitterness and anger of his, of his brothers caused them to sell him into slavery. But God had a way of showing his heart to redeem a family unit that he wanted together. Some of you realize that your family is fractured, your family is broken, and you're wondering, like, I'm just gonna give up hope. Don't give up hope. God is always in the business of redemption and reconciliation. Let God continue to Soften hearts. Let God continue to work in that situation. God is a compassionate God. But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Did you find your story in Joseph's story? Can you say that what somebody is meant for your harm or your demise that God is working for your good? Can you determine that in the midst of your quote-unquote prison experience that you realize that God is with you, that his nature is he's faithful? Do you realize that in the brokenness and the fracturedness of, of life that God is always working something together for your good and for his plan? He's faithful. He'll provide. He's trustworthy. And he's working something together for good for you. Don't give up hope. Seeing that God is working something beautiful in your life through the adversity and the pain and realizing that in the midst of that, when you realize the story's not done yet, there's a redemption story that's playing out and it's not only for your generation, it's for the generation to come. Let God work through your life and build a beautiful story. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for you today. We're thankful for the, the life that you've shown through the account of Joseph. Joseph's life, one of faithfulness, of forgiveness. Your character, Lord, never changes. Father, you are compassionate. You are good. You're filled with redemption. Father, help us to grow in our resiliency, to realize the pressure of life and the challenges of life actually produce something inside of us. That, God, you're working in the middle of that. Let us not forget that you are working in the middle of those difficult seasons that we have. 
but we're hopeful that the story is not written, that there is reconciliation, there's redemption. Father, for every marriage that's struggling right now, I pray, Father, they do not lose hope. That in the midst of the trials and midst of the struggle, Lord Jesus, that you are moving and growing and, and doing a beautiful work. Father, for those who have hurt us in the past, let us not hold on to them, but let us be like Joseph and say, that's okay. What you meant for evil, God is working for my good. And I forgive you. I forgive you. Father, let forgiveness roll out of our heart today. Even if we don't even see the person right now, we would just say in our hearts, I forgive you. I forgive you. Father, you're bringing something to somebody's mind right now. And as you're bringing it to their mind, you, they just mumble under their breath, I forgive you. I forgive you. Father, there's power in forgiveness. And then you're working. Father, some need the spirit of Manasseh today, that you're haunted by a past experience. And Lord, I just pray that, that, that you'd cause them to forget. Maybe not for completely forget, but there wouldn't be any pain attached with that any longer, Father. I just pray healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we're grateful for what you've showed us today and that you're still working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.